warning. This is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Hi, this is Katrina. And this is Sydney. And this is Murder Obsessed. Today, the fabulous Sydney is going to give us a really horrible, haunting, yet interesting story on who? Uh, BTK Ooh. or Dinner Raider. Ooh. Yes, and for all of my fellow nerds, I'm guessing I'd never heard of BTK before, but if you watch Riverdale, there is a serial killer on there called TBK, and I'm guessing that's a BTK. I mean, it's they don't, I don't know that he actually kills the same way, but I'm guessing that's a reference, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. See, like, I had always heard of BTK, um... But like, and I like small tidbits, like random little pieces, but like, I've never sat down and like listened or like watched a documentary on BTK. You know, he's kind of just like one of those famous serial killers that you're like, yeah, I've heard of him, but like, I don't know any of this story. That's, I mean, I really didn't either. But I'm ready to give it to (laughs) y'all. So, um, I will probably be flipping back and forth because I have super lot of information, but so we'll just get started. Um, Dennis Rader was born, uh, March 9th, 1945. And, uh, he, I, he's a psycho. (laughs) So, uh sorry um he was born to Dorothea Ryder and William Ryder um they had four sons Paul Bill and Jeff were his brothers I'm not really sure there was a couple different sources that said that he was born in Columbus Kansas and a couple that said Pittsburgh Kansas Kansas but regardless of that he grew up in Wichita um both of the parents worked long hours and apparently paid little attention to their children at home later Raider kind of said you know oh I felt ignored by my mother and I resented you know know, though like the term like latchkey kids was coined like I think around that time like I'm sorry to all the parents of that time period but pretty much all of them worked all the time and their kids yeah. pretty much fended for themselves. So, like, me and my mom have a great relationship. And for a long time, it was just me and my mom. She was a nurse. She worked nursing hours. So, like, when I was old enough, I just went home and fixed myself something to eat. And she got there. And you know what I mean? But, like, yeah, I don't have any, like, resentment towards her. <laughs> that didn't yeah. make me past so Uh, yeah I think it's a cop-out I think it's a cop-out saying well this happened in my childhood it's like and so did it to like most American childhoods in that time period and like you're not special um I won't get into you with all the like I'm not judging you what what your trauma is 
like whatever but sometimes I think we take it a little too far with everything and use it for an excuse for all of our bad behavior like oh my mom had to work or oh my dad smacked me one time on the booty well and it I tell my students I tell my students all the time I'm like you have zero control into what happens to you in this life what you do have control of is how you respond to it because if you respond like a victim that's what you're going to be if you respond like I'm not going to let this stop me I'm not going to let this hurt me then that's how it's going to be you mean I I can't stand victim victimology and victimization like and you know like be like some I mean there's tons of people we know even from being you know from a small town their parents like they had nothing um their parents were drug addicts and they're out there like rocking life yeah they're they're breaking cycles they're busting their balls to give their kids a better life it sucks does having a traumatic childhood suck and it's awful yes but you cannot go back in time and change it and you holding on to that past is not going to make your future better it's not y'all Katrina's out there taking care of her kids and she had like three houses burned down when we were kids yeah like no so I mean I mean I know that's not comparable to other things but still like losing everything and starting fresh three times yep yeah anyway (laughs) this guy apparently from a young age he had some like sadistic sexual fantasies about torturing trapped and helpless women um and then it said that he like exhibited zoo sadism by torturing torturing killing and hanging small animals yeah and they say like that's a, a sign of like yeah you know problems which watched rob zombies remake of halloween Ooh. like here's that a, is a heavy movie it is for sure um he acted out apparently some sexual fetishes for autoerotic asphyxiation and cross-dressing so the which, like, the, the autoerotic is where you um like he like choked himself out the asphyxiation that's like breath play right like choking yourself yeah, out yeah. like choking yourself or someone else to get off basically for lack of a better way to put that or simpler way to put that so yeah and I mean like the cross-dressing especially in 2022 is 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 not that uncommon it's the other stuff like man if you want to dress like a woman that's your business do your do your thing but like the other stuff is some dark stuff um he actually he would like spy on female neighbors while dressed a lot with serial killers and like bad people yeah um I don't know why he would dress as a woman while he done that but he did um even like he would even wear women's underwear that he had stolen from people see to me I feel like that's less trans and less like dressing in that fashion for the purpose that trans people do it today I feel like that, for one, the underwear was like a, a trophy. Like, 
I stole these. And so wearing them was like a trophy and like wearing women's clothing while peeping. I feel that was more of if I get caught, like if they see me and they're going to think I'm a woman, it's not going to be as big of a deal. Or if someone sees me, they're not going to be able to identify who I am. So I feel like that was all a play. None of that had anything to do with being trans or. No, I don't think that he was trans or any of the I'm honestly rather stupid when it comes to all of the LGBTQ um, plus letters and what they mean but like to me this guy this was not a I don't feel like a man thing it was something entirely different yes I mean he would even like he was really and I don't care what you do in your bedroom, but like he would um, masturbate with ropes and like bindings around his arms or his neck. And then like years later, what they called like during his cooling off periods, which would be between his murders, he would take pictures of himself when wearing <coughs> excuse me, women's clothes and a female mask while he was like bound up. And he admitted later that he was pretending to be his victims as part of a sexual fantasy. Yeah, like that's exactly what it was. He was trying to relive whatever sick satisfaction he got out of what he did to these women. And that, and that's all that it was. Like yeah. it had nothing to do with anything other than the fact that he was a psychopath. Right. Um, but to his, apparently he kept all these you know weird proclivities pretty hidden like he was pretty regarded in his community as a normal polite and well-mannered guy those are always the scariest ones you know like John Wayne Gacy where like there's you're like when you find out you're like what like how can these people have these masks on that that you couldn't see through these are the people that have you ever seen that and I don't really know how much truth it is that you walk past or come in contact with a serial killer like up to three times in your lifespan those are these people like these completely normal pillars of the community pastors of churches whatever that just have everybody completely fooled yeah and I, um, and that's the scariest thing because you feel like you know, that you're a good judge of character. You feel like that you could see through that. But so many times these people have compartmentalized themselves so very much that when they're playing a role, it's like that other person doesn't exist. Right. You know, like they can shut it off or <laughs> push it down deep, which I I don't know. I'm not a serial killer or a psychopath, so it's hard for me to understand. But right. They're predators. They are predators and they are good at stalking their prey. They are good at fooling their prey. I mean, they are literal predators. Yeah, he... I don't know. Uh, Anyway, he um, actually attended Kansas Wesleyan University after high school, but he got like mediocre grades and he dropped out after a year. So he went to the Air Force from 1966 to 1970. And those dates might not be exact. Um, There were more than one, you know, of my uh, places I researched that 
gave those dates. Some of them said a couple years later, but either way, um, when he got discharged from the Air Force, he moved to Park City, which is like a suburb of Wichita. And he worked in the meat department of an IGA supermarket where his mom was like a bookkeeper. Um, He got married to a woman named Paula Dietz on May 22nd and 71. And then they had two children, Carrie and Brian. Uh, He then actually attended Butler Community College, which is in El Dorado. And he got an associate's degree in electronics. He then enrolled at Wichita State University and graduated in 79 with a Bachelor of Science. And his major was in administration of justice which i just kind of thought was which which is it's hilarious because (laughs) but you look at it and you're like yeah you totally did that so that you knew what to do you know like like watching snap when you're going to kill your husband so you find out what not to do to get caught Um, he and after that he initially worked as an assembler for the Coleman company which is like that outdoor supply company um, and then he worked at the Wichita base office of ADT security services from 74 to 88 where he installed security alarms and in a lot of cases the people he installed them for were concerned about the BTK killings um, and then he That's was terrifying. A- that is freaking terrifying that the person coming to install your security is the right. freaking serial killer. Like, um, he, uh, there was a short period of time where he was like an operations officer for Wichita, where he did like a, like, it was like census, uh, something to do with the census I really don't know anything about the census I'm not that intelligent but anyway he did that and then in 91 he became a dog catcher and compliance officer in Park City in that position um neighbors and people that would see him would say that he was like extremely strict and he would they thought that he would like take special pleasure in bullying and like harassing single women uh one neighbor even complained that he killed her dog for no reason so uh he was actually which as a christian i always hate because it gives so many christians that don't need any more of a bad name a bad name but he was a member of the um christ lutheran church in wichita and he was actually the president of the church council and a Cub Scout leader. Yeah, definitely like John Wayne Gacy. Like, I really yeah. feel like they hide behind that as another mask of like, see, I'm a good guy. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I, you know, I'm fine. I'm a good person. And yeah. so it's like, that's another mask that you're hiding behind. Right. So I've completely separated his murders. And that's what I'm... So, starting, um, going with the murders, anyway, um, on January 15th of 1974, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, but four members of the Otero or Otero family were murdered in Wichita, Kansas. The victims were Joseph, 
he was 38. His wife, Julie, was 33. Joseph Jr., who was 9. And Josephine, who was 11. And their bodies were discovered by the family's three older children who had been at school at the time of the killings. Um, Reuter actually confessed to this after his arrest. Uh, he had wrote a letter and stashed it inside a book at the Wichita Public Library that described in detail the killing of the family. I don't think they found that till a lot later. So he has that in January, and then the spring of 74 and the winter of 77, he killed three more women, Catherine Bright, Shirley Relford, and Nancy Fox. Um, and when he killed, uh, when he killed Bright, he broke into her house and um, he, her brother was there. And I don't know how her brother escaped. He was shot, but he escaped. But Rager, like, stabbed Bright to death before he left. <clears throat> um, so. <laughs> and then in 78, he sent a letter to a television station in Wichita claiming, like, responsibility for um, the murders of the... Oteros, Oteros, I hate that, um, and those women. He suggested many possible names for himself, including the one that stuck, which was BTK. And he, I've got that down somewhere. I really, it always wanted to me up when they name themselves or they like write in so that they can yeah. get their clout, you know? Um, like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Right. He, like, had it down to a T, too, because in the letter, he stated, the code words for me will be, find them, torture them, kill them, comma, BTK. So, um, he, like, demanded media attention in that letter to the television station, and it was finally announced that, um, you know, there was a serial killer at large in Wichita. Um, he claimed in the letter, I guess, to be driven to kill by Factor X, which he characterized as a supernatural element that motivated Jack the Ripper, the son of Sam, and the Hillside Strangler. <clears throat> oh, sorry, guys. I had COVID two weeks ago, and I can't get rid of my cough. <clears throat> Anyway, there were other people that he, like, intended to kill. One woman's name was Anna Williams. And in 79, she was, um, she literally just escaped being killed by coming home later than expected. Like, after Raider was um, arrested and he was giving his confession, he said that he became obsessed with her. And he was, quote-unquote, absolutely livid when she evaded him. He spent hours waiting at her home, but became impatient and left when she didn't return home from visiting friends. And then <clears throat> Marine Hedge, she was 53, was found May 5th, 85. Um, Raider killed her on April 27th and took her dead body to his church 
photographed her body in various bondage positions and he had previously like stored black plastic sheets and other stuff in the church in preparation for the murder and then he dumped her body in a ditch he even had a name for his plan it was called project cookie it just keeps going on and on in 88 um there were three members of the fager or fogger family in wichita um that were murdered um a letter was received for some from someone claiming to be btk um but in the letter they this person denied the fager murders um but said that it was admirable work and it wasn't actually proven until 2005 that 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 letter was written by Raider. Um, and apparently he's not considered by the police to commit that those murders, but they're still linked to him, so <sighs> I don't know. There were two women that he stalked in the 80s um, to even like the mid-90s, but they filed restraining orders against him, and one of them actually changed her address to avoid him. So his final victim that they have on file was Dolores Davis. She was found on February 1st of 91. And Raider, I guess, had killed her January 19th. So, like, this is happening from the 70s through the 90s. And by 2004, the whole investigation of BTK was like a cold case. And then, I mean, like, how stupid can you get? Raider, like, starts sending um, communications to, like, local media outlets. I think that it just stems from the, um, like, it's like a disorder. Like, they can't help it. Like, if they're not getting the attention that they feel they deserve, they're going to, they have that impulse that uh compulsion to to stir the pot you know and you love a dumb criminal because they get themselves caught right it's like this compulsion of i have to get attention i have to get people back talking about this people back afraid of this he was just i mean like he really wanted recognition like i mean he went so far in june of 2004 they found a package taped to a stop sign somewhere in Wichita and it had graphic descriptions of that the family that Otero's murders and it also had like a sketch on it that was labeled the sexual thrill is my bill listen to this guy so um, gosh, I have so much stuff right now. I'm trying to get everything in in our time. Uh, anyway, he gets caught, obviously. And after his capture, he admits in the interrogation that he was planning to kill again. And he had set a date for October of 2004. <clears throat> um, he was actually already stalking his next intended victim, uh, I don't 
like for some reason a manila envelope was dropped into like a UPS box in Wichita that had like cards with images of like bondage of children on them and a poem like threatening the life of the lead investigator I'm think I'm going to definitely butcher his name but it was like Lieutenant Ken Landwer um he just (laughs) he was actually okay he was arrested after that driving near his home on February 25th 2005 like 74 to 2005 he was driving down the road an officer pulls him over and he says Mr. Raider do you know why you were going downtown and Raider says oh I have suspicions why that makes like no sense to me so anyway they search his home and vehicle they get evidence from his computer equipment they have a pair of black pantyhose from his shed. Uh, they even searched, like, his church office. Because apparently he's still attending church. <clears throat> so on the 28th of February, he was charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. Um, and then his bail was set at $10 million. His wife was, like, granted, like, as soon as his, I've never even heard of this, but apparently as soon as he was arrested, his wife is granted um, what they call an emergency divorce. I guess it was a really quick proceeding, like, hey, I don't know, I didn't know I was married to a serial killer, can you, can we get this in writing, you know? Um, he did, like, during his trial, he just, he pled guilty he described the murders in detail. He made no apologies at all. Uh, he was just nasty. Yeah, uh, he wasn't sorry. He was proud of the pain and terror he caused. Um, I guess that his, it's, there was a statement from his daughter. Um, and I guess she did an interview with ABC News in like 2019 and she says that she still writes her father and has forgiven him but struggles to reconcile him with the BTK killer. She stated her childhood seemed normal and they were like a normal American family. I couldn't find really anything about the son or the wife you know after he was arrested what they did or anything like that. They probably were just like, man, this is so publicized. I don't want any part of it. So, that, my friends, is the story of BTK. This guy, I mean, as someone who believes in Jesus, I can't say he has no redemption. But, I mean, he felt no remorse. I don't feel like there was like some, you know, he didn't have a traumatic brain injury that made him a freak. He was just a sadist. Yeah. 
just evil to the core. Yeah. And I know that that was a jumbled mess for my first case back, guys, but there was just, I mean, website after website, statement after statement. I have like 10 pages wrote out in front of me. I'm shuffling through. There was like a plethora of information on this guy and some of it didn't line up. So I don't want to tell you guys something and it not be accurate accurate to the story so anyway but <sighs> it was a weird one it was definitely a weird one um I mean I have a problem with him killing anybody but the fact that he killed an 11 and 9 year old didn't I didn't feel like that fit his bill I didn't get it yeah um, there was a lot of information like I guess they tested the whole family to see if they were sexually assaulted and they weren't but there was, like, semen found at the crime scene. So, I don't know if he just got off on killing them and didn't actually touch them. I have no idea. That's nasty, anyway. Yeah, he looks pretty gross, guys. Yeah. Well, this has been Murder Obsessed. I'm Katrina. I'm Sydney. Stay listening. Stay murder obsessed. But do not be like these. He can't be obsessed with partner. Bye. Later.